original investigators believe he murdered her. They yeah. just can't prove it. It's my first initial call to the private investigator working on my dad's case. My wife jumps up from the table and says, God, who is this man coming in the backyard? I divorced him because I couldn't trust him at all. He lied to me at the very beginning. He was living two separate lives. In the water about 30 yards away, and I identified it as it was a person. listening to season two of Ashes to Ash TV, What Happened to Carolyn Blankenfeld? Episode four, Only One Person? Okay, so I'm calling Danielle from Chris and Carolyn's case. And just a reminder, Danielle is Chris's second wife. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. One thing I think is really remarkable about this story and the timeline in general is Chris sends all four kids a letter 205 days after Carolyn has passed away. He says, hey kiddos, I hope you're all doing well. I miss you all terribly and I hope you all know this. Annie told me that I have to tell you guys this and rather than telling each of you individually, I'm telling you this way. 205 days ago was hard, so hard for all of us. I have been essentially crushed, absolutely haunted since then. And in that letter, he talks about his new girlfriend, and he even sends pictures of the two of them together. Only recently have I started to feel a little bit better. I have been dating only one person. I don't know if you guys want to hear that, but it is what it is. She makes me feel better and not so alone. This new girlfriend's name is Sarah. But within that timeline, he purchases a house in Wisconsin, which seems really strange because Chris lives and works in Alabama. I bought a house in Wisconsin that I never intended on going to. I intend on selling it when I have about 100K equity in it. So at the end of August, so approximately three and a half, four months after Carolyn passes away, he actually closes, is what the document shows, is he actually closes on a house in Wisconsin. So I, as I started looking into this, I heard a rumor of there was another woman who he purchased that house with in Wisconsin. And I'm wondering what the nature of their relationship was and why they purchased a house together and how close that was to Carolyn passing away and how close that is to him ending up in a relationship with Sarah. One thing really curious about the letter is he makes a point in the letter, even though nobody's asking him to say, I have been dating only one person. I just think it's strange that he makes a point about that. I don't know if anyone was accusing him of dating multiple people, but he does make a point to say only one person. And in that letter, he also says, I bought a house in Wisconsin that I never intended on going to. That just seems like really strange behavior to have purchased a house in Wisconsin with another woman and you never intend on going there. So I'm really curious at what the nature of their relationship was and I want to talk to her, and I also want to understand why that house was purchased. Nice. Okay, so we're calling Bree to, to let her know that we're almost to the house. So this is the woman that Chris bought a house with immediately following Carolyn's death. 
I think the paperwork we looked up, it said it was signed or the closing happened four months after Carolyn died. Wow. And then something happened very quickly that either she, we don't know what happened to her. I, I, we don't think she died or anything, but we don't know if she lives in the house. So it appears that only Chris's name is on it. And another thing, too, is after we get off the phone with Bree, I'm going to look up. She owns a title company in this town, and it's a really small town, so I wonder if we can find a title company with What's female-owned it? title company in the town. Okay. And this is only loose information, so I don't even know how accurate that is. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, how are you? Oh, hold on. I'm going to take you off my car. We're driving to the house, so I've got, it's me and Cole in the car right now. So yeah, so there's actually a few things I wanted to chat with you about. The first thing is the text with your dad. How are you feeling about that? It seems like kind of strange that he's, or does it seem strange? Or do you think that is his normal behavior? You don't think he's on to what's happening here, do you? I mean, I feel like the text is pretty strange. I don't know if he's on to us or not. Just like really strange, I guess, because like I did start cutting him off slowly and like I haven't talked to him really. So that's probably just him reacting to me not talking to him. Okay, well that's good. I'm hoping we have a little bit more time here before we have to deal with him figuring this out. So how, I mean, how are you feeling talking to him at all? Are you just like, no problem? Or you feel a little torn about it? Um, it's not really a problem. I've like already come to terms with what I think about the whole situation. So I just kind of have that attitude towards it now. Okay. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure you were doing okay, because I just try to keep putting myself in your shoes, and I feel like that'd be a very weird place to be, so. Yeah. So, last thing is, is we're driving to this house right now. Uh, um, uh, yeah, right? I don't I don't really know how I feel. I have some anxiety. Like, <laughs> I, I, think I, whole, I wonder if anybody's there. Yeah. Like, if you get there and the yard's like a mess, you obviously know somebody's not there, but if the yard's like freshly cut like stuff taken care of outside the house you know someone's there right and I can't like why even if you bought the house and whoever this lady is who lives there isn't living there like wouldn't you have rented it out or something so I'm so curious like would you just leave the house empty well that's what I'm worried about is that like we're gonna get there and maybe shoot something at this house and like some completely unaffiliated group is gonna be like uh can we help you and just be like, yeah, we're just, like, shooting in case the guy who owns this property might have, you know, done something unimaginable. And they're like, yeah, we've only lived here, like, two months. Like, can you leave? That's exactly what I expect, is for us to just encroach on some, like, poor, unsuspecting family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get that. I get that fear. Although we're going to be filming from the car, I think I'm not going to make the filming too obvious. I'm going to go up and knock on the door, which I'll do. My thought is we're going to find the house A, empty, or B, being rented by a family who has no affiliation to Chris that just rented the house. So, but my hope is that we can figure that out because the last thing I want to do is leave a note with my business card in the door and something to get back to Chris that my name was on that door because if he finds out my name is on that door this our gig is up yeah so I don't really know how to play that correctly but yeah I'm not really sure how to handle it if no one answers but we can tell someone lives there if we get there and there's no one there but we can tell someone lives there I feel like I need to leave a note or something that gets them to give us a ring to at least find out if they're just renting it 
-hmm. or if if it is this woman by any chance and then if someone comes to the door and has no affiliation well that's fine then we'll just leave them alone but if it is the woman that's going to be the more interesting conversation because I got to convince her to continue to talk to me so I feel like that's going to require pretty quick honesty right from the get-go which is going to be awkward yeah <laughs> but you could also yeah. just ask if, if he still lives there whether he owns the property or not like they'll oh no like he doesn't live here we rent this property from him yeah and or, then I can just take it from there if depending on if I feel like it's her or if it's not obviously yeah or if no one's there I think that's a good start I'm so nervous for you uh, yeah, <laughs> I have a little anxiety right now. I kind of want to die, so. <laughs> I wish I was with you. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I wish you were so you could be experiencing this with me. <laughs> Thanks for being there, Cole. Yeah. <laughs> I'm real excited about this. I'm real excited about this. I can, I can tell. <laughs> Alright, okay, so we'll call you back. Alright, sounds good. Okay, I'll talk to you later. Bye. I just want to take a moment to thank you all for watching. This case is super important to me. I'm sure, as you know, for obvious reasons. Also, if you haven't had a chance to watch The Disappearance of Robert B., which was season one, please go back and watch that. We are still in the midst of working on that case, so there are still episodes coming out for season one. So please go back and watch that if you haven't had a chance to yet. I also just wanted to remind everyone to please subscribe if you can. You'll need to subscribe through the actual website at ashestoashtv.com. A-S-H-E-S-T-O-A-S-H-T-V.com. You can get discounts on merchandise. You get to see the episodes early. You get to see behind the scenes footage and uncut interviews. Plus I'll do a Q&A for subscribers once a month so you can specifically ask me questions about the different cases. If you are able to subscribe, all the money just goes back into helping support our mission here and what we're doing. So basically trying to uncover additional cases. I put the website at the bottom here. So if you're able to subscribe, please do. It definitely helps us out. Obviously, the show will always be free. That's how we get our tips in, and that's how we get information in. Basically, as a subscriber, you just get a couple extra perks, and you get to see the episodes early. So if you can do that, that'd be awesome. We would appreciate the help. And if not, please keep watching and see if you have any valuable insight into the cases we're working on. Hey, Danielle. Hi. I'm so sorry. I was on a Zoom meeting. It went longer than I had thought. No problem at all. I'm happy we're connecting. So. <laughs> so sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. How are you? How have you been? I'm good. Hey, how are you? Good, good, good. I feel like I have very few memories of you from my childhood, but I definitely remember you. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't in there very long, like in that part. No, no, not at all. That's why we're very happy to be chatting with you now. <laughs> kind of what we're looking for, I don't know how much Bree explained to you, but we try to get like a full picture of the person. And I think especially with Chris, his past relationships are pretty important here. Yeah. That's what we were hoping to use is kind of that story, just your truth. We don't need people to like speculate on what happened to Carolyn or to, you know, do anything like that is what we're looking right. for is people to just tell what, what they experienced, what their truth was. And Brie made it. Yeah, sound. whatever will help Brie out. I'm fine with doing okay. whatever. Awesome. Yeah, we appreciate that. They have to have the biggest trust issues ever. Yeah. And uh, to know that I played a part in that. That 
that's heartbreaking for me. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. So if there's anything I can do to help, I don't know, put it to rest or just to give her a peace of mind or, you know, what anything, I just... I'm definitely more than willing to help in any way. Wow, that's awesome. No, thank you. I'm, so then I think our next steps would basically be to kind of schedule a date to come out and to do an interview with you. And then we bring Bree with to kind of capture that reunion of you guys also. Okay. If that works for yeah. you. Okay. That's fine for me. I am on my way to Nashville to meet up with Ash. We're going to talk to Danielle, my dad's second wife. It's been 23 years since I've last seen this woman, so my emotions are everywhere. I'm anxious, I'm nervous, but only in the best of ways. We arrive at the airport to catch our flight. I am masked up and ready to go as the plane takes off. Bree and I meet in Nashville. Excuse me, ma'am, are you from Ashes to Ashes? Oh my god, hold on, sorry, Bree just showed up. <laughs> Let me call you back, can I? Bye. So one thing she said I thought was really interesting, is she said she thought our timeline was wrong. So she is convinced that he was seeing Carolyn before she was out of the picture, but yet you were convinced that he didn't meet her until after Danielle left. So I thought that was interesting. So I want, I want to hear more of her timeline. Yeah, that is really interesting, you know. And it could have just been so close that yeah. it seemed that way to Danielle. Yeah, and also I was very little, so my memory of that might not be accurate as well. So she probably has like a pretty solid idea of what actually happened to her, you know? Yeah, like I think if we can start nailing down, because you seem pretty certain, right, that you were in third grade when they met. Yeah. Is that right? 100%, because I did okay. not know Jenny in second grade. Reminder that Jenny is Bree's stepsister. So what, that makes you eight or nine? Yeah, so I was eight. Okay, um, so this this stuff will be important yeah. to see if there's any chance. And you feel, though, very strongly that the first time they met was when you and Jenny went and had a play date. Yeah. Okay. And you've never, that doesn't seem in question at all. No. No, not at all. Okay. Like, I just, I don't remember Danielle being there when Jenny came over. We pull up to Danielle's home. All right, so it looks like it's going to be on the right side. Fix, yep, definitely the truck. Uh, oh my god, well nice to meet you again. You look just like your mom. Uh, yeah, right? I hope I keep Hi. looking like her. Oh my god, nice to meet wow, you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks for having us come in. so much about you. It's so good to see you. Come on in. Awesome. Yeah. So I mean, maybe let's go like way, way back. How did okay. you originally meet Chris? I met him in a karaoke bar. Surprisingly. <laughs> Are you a good singer? No. I'm awful. <laughs> but uh, he would get up and sing. Really? Yeah, he was a whole lot of fun. Really? Yeah, he would get up and sing. He happened to be staying in the hotel that the bar was located in. And he was there for work. Okay. And he told me that he worked for the EPA. And when he told you that he worked for the EPA, did he tell you what his position was there? Or did you find out what his position was? Right. He told me that it was 
health and safety. So like he would go and help with oil spills and that kind of stuff is what he had told me he did. And did he ever tell you how long he had been working for the EPA? No, and I never, I never asked him. Yeah. Can I you, believed it. Yeah, well, yeah, because, well, I mean. Why would you not? Right, yeah. especially if someone carries it on. I mean, I went to job sites, and, you know, I visited him at job sites and stuff, and it seemed yeah. normal. Was it, like, kind of like a construction site, and he was just making sure that everybody was doing what they're supposed to do, wear hard hats and, you know safety stuff. When you first met Chris, can you tell us a little bit about, because you would kind of make it sound like he swept you off your feet at first. And he did. Yeah. yeah. And how old were you at the time? Uh, 22, I think, when I first met him. Yeah, he was wonderful. He would do like perfect date nights, like set up really sweet music and we would slow dance together and he would have nice dinner set up like in his hotel room because he lived out of a hotel for his job. Like, you know, he was away. We would take walks and like, he was just really very, very sweet and just always said the right thing and did the right thing and was a perfect gentleman and always opened up my doors and just, he was great. We had a lot of fun together and you know, everything, we hit it off and it was just magic. Yeah. We were just wonderful together. Just real excited to be in a, uh, what you thought was a new and good Yeah, like an adult relationship. It was like the first time I talked with a man about a future. So it was that kind of, you know, butterflies every time you thought about yeah. him. And like, you know, we didn't have cell phones then, but you know, just to call and sit on the phone and talk for hours and hours and have those long conversations. And that was great. It happened very quick though. The fact that he had kids, did he talk about that right out of the gate? Yeah, because he had told me that he had been married before and that they had met, I believe he said in Hawaii, and that, you know, they had two children and, you know, it just didn't work. And I'm from divorced parents, so I didn't think anything bad of it. And, you know, it was just, it was okay. He had said that the kid's mom had full custody of them and, you know, he sees them and talks to them and he has a relationship with them. So I thought that was okay. And we just continued to date and he helped me rent a larger apartment. So we moved in together, but he was gone every 21 days and then he would be in back in town. It was great for me. Like I had best of both worlds. He helped pay my bills. And I mean, he was just the perfect gentleman. It was, he was so sweet all the time. Uh, he would call every night and say goodnight and you thought it was like your forever person. And then we got engaged. And how long after you met him did you get engaged? You know what, I really can't remember. Okay, yeah. I don't think, I wanna say that it wasn't too, too long, maybe a year in, and then we got engaged and the engagement wasn't very long. And I can remember my family not really being thrilled about it. And I remember my dad just saying, you know, you're pretty young. You don't really know what you want yet. And you're still really young. And I was like, no, of course I knew everything. I knew it all. And I was like, no, I know it's best for me. So we got married. I thought it was strange planning the wedding that just his mom and his sister came and he didn't have anybody else at the wedding from his side. Everybody else was from my side and it was a big wedding you know, the whole thing, the church and everything that you always wanted as a little girl, like I had it all. So I thought that was a little weird, but he had just said that because of traveling so much, he just wasn't that close with everybody in his family. And it's hard to make those close relationships. And it was in Connecticut and he wasn't from Connecticut. So 
everything sounded normal and everything was going really well and we had filed our taxes. Uh, he had asked if I would go pick up our taxes from a place in the Milford Mall in Connecticut okay. and I went and I picked them up. Not that I was being nosy, I mean it was my taxes too, so something made me open the envelope up. It was a manila envelope and I had pulled it out and on it, it read that he was in the Coast Guard. But that's not, he told me he worked for the EPA. And we still lived in Connecticut at this point. How long from when you met him to when you think you found this part out? How long had that lie it been had continued? It had been maybe two years. Why would I not believe it? Did you confront him with of this? Of course. And what, how, can you describe that? He had just said, I was mad. I was mad. I confronted him on it and he had cried and he seemed very sincere and apologetic and he said that he was embarrassed and that's why he had said that he worked for the EPA and not just for the Coast Guard because he had been made fun of for not having a better type of job which you've been in my house I'm not a materialistic right. person like I've never been like that yeah. I mean he definitely showered me with gifts and he threw money at me and I was not used to that so that definitely at looking back I can see I was like yeah that was really bad <laughs> but I was young so he just apologized and he cried and just said he was so sorry and he was just embarrassed and I was like okay you know I'm married to this man what are you supposed to say I didn't know what to say and then I felt foolish and I didn't really want to talk to my family about it because they've already warned me I didn't know what I was doing because I was so young and I didn't want to prove them right I kind of just dealt with it. So at that point, was he still kind of doing the 21 days gone mm -hmm. and then back for a couple days? Yeah. Wow, so that Yeah, that for a lasted long time. until we moved to Colorado Springs. Did you ever during this time question what was going on for those 21 days or it always seemed pretty legit? That it seemed legit. He would call every night and we would talk and it just didn't, I didn't have any other relationship with him other than that. That's how it had started out. And right. well, it started out, he was in Connecticut, so it was an everyday, you know, because he was there. And then once that job ended, then he went back to, you know, the next job he was on okay. for the 21 days. In the very beginning, I saw him all the time because he was working in Connecticut. Looking back, do you ever question that that might have not been what's going on, or it's still you still think it's he probably was going to work for and doing something for 21 days? I guess he was working. Now I'm like yeah, I don't know well, anything I, about any of it. So, <laughs> I, what kind of places did he? Did he just go to different states? Did he go to the country? He went to different states. Okay. And then he worked in Canada for quite a while and. Um, we went to Nova Scotia, we went to Newfoundland. So you actually went with him? There a were a couple times. jobs that I, okay. I did go to visit and, you know, just hang out and stuff yeah, like that. And so, I mean, he was actually working. Okay, that's good. Who he actually worked for, I, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't think he really ever was employed by the EPA, but I don't know for certain. Yeah. Did you ever feel like that he might have been working with the Coast Guard Atlantic Strike Force or kind of going out on bigger missions to like save people from sinking boats or anything like that? No. No, okay. No. 
no, 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 no. He didn't work in the water. Yeah. He worked like on the land. Okay. And no. Yeah, so you kind of always knew him to be doing jobs that were on the land, dealing with safety. In an office. In an office, okay. Yeah, he okay. wasn't one to, like, get dirty. He's very pretty. Or he gave off that, like, California surfer kind of guy. His hair, always just, yeah. I know you had talked about that you had a stalker. Was that when you were in Connecticut? Yes. Those, for those two years? Mm -hmm. Did the stalker come right away, or how long had you known Chris about before you started? I guess it was a stalker. It, the person would call nightly. It was a man's voice, and he would just like tell me things that I did throughout the day or what I was wearing. So it was really strange. And then I would obviously call Chris and be like, "Oh my gosh, this! I'm, not, I'm telling you, you know." And I would just tell him what was said. And then it was St. Patrick's Day. And I had gone out with my sister and a bunch of my friends. And before we went out, I had talked to Chris on the phone. And when I got home that night, the stalker guy had called. And he said something that I had said to Chris earlier, but never did any of that. Like our plans ended up changing. Something in my head was like, wait, what? How? The only person that would know that would be him. And then I said something to him about it the next time he came home. And after that, it, I never heard, got another phone call or anything again. Weird. And when the male voice that you heard, did it sound like someone was kind of making their voice like deeper or weirder? Or did it, no. you didn't think about that? Okay. It didn't sound it didn't like, sound it sounded just like a man's voice. I mean, it was definitely deeper. But, but it didn't sound like to you like someone was trying to change their inflection of their no. voice. After that happened, did you ever think that there was any part of that that sounded like Chris? The voice? No. The okay. voice didn't sound like his. But I don't know if he was like, had somebody calling to check up on me to see if I would like veer off or, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Like, but I know it, after the caller had said it, it was just like a light bulb went off in my head. I was like, what? That's how? So I had talked to Chris about it the following weekend, like or whenever the following time he came back and I never got another call after that, which I thought that was very strange. So I don't know if it was somebody he was rooming with that overheard conversations that him and I were having, or if he was feeding somebody conversations to have them call to see if I was being faithful or if I was legit, I, I don't really know. But then it just stopped cold turkey. That's weird, yeah, because usually you tell your stalker if you're <laughs> being unfaithful. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, it's so absurd, this is so it's absurd. <laughs> Did, at that point when that happened, how did you justify that in your mind? Or, or like, how did you go on with him thinking that that might have been him or been someone around him? Did it always kind of bug you? Or were you just kind of, were you just like kind of young and like, oh, I was I just kind of young, but I was like, I really thought that maybe, I, no, I wanted to believe that he was true to who he was mm -hmm. portraying in front of me. I wanted him to be that person and you know, in the back of my head, I can hear my dad. 
And I was like, no, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, suck it up and I'm a big girl now and I made a commitment and we're, I'm gonna do this. And, you know, so I kind of just kept pushing everything. Did you ever at that time talk to any, like had you still not talked to your family about any concerns? Had, like, mm -mm. or did you tell any of your friends that your husband might be stalking you? Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. So you were sharing those concerns? Yeah, I what, did tell my girlfriend. Um, what was her reaction? She was just, well, maybe he's just making sure. You know, he is gone all the time. Okay. So I was like, okay, well. Yeah, well, once you're married, it's hard because it's not just, it's not like you can just walk yeah. away. And I felt like I was one of the earlier ones to get married. And so everybody else was still kind of single. And I'm like, okay, I guess this is what you do. How long after that then did you guys move to? Okay, well, that was March, so that okay. was St. Patrick's Day, because okay. I remember that incident happened, and so we were still in Stratford then. And then we took custody of the kids either right before school started or right at the beginning of the school year, like somewhere right around there. So you were already out there by, like, what, September? Probably, like, around that time. Okay. I think it was, yeah, within, like, the next school year had started. Was the first time you met the kids when you came to Colorado, or did they come and visited, or...? No, the first time I ever met them was when we had gone to get them. So you I actually... Never, I don't know if I realized that was the first time. That was the very first time, yeah. And so that must have been pretty traumatic, or...? It was scary. Yeah. <laughs> it was scary because I was really young, and they were coming out of a terrible living arrangement yeah. and they just didn't really have the care that they needed. We got into Colorado and we went straight to your mom's house. We went there first, we stayed the night, and then the very next morning we got up and we went to your mom's house to get you and Sheldon. And just a reminder, Sheldon is Bree's full brother. And there was like this woman that lived across the hall or down the hall and she just kept telling me that she made sure that you guys were okay she made sure you're okay and then just your dad had gone in and then he came out and we had to go get hefty bags like trash bags to try to gather up some of your belongings and when i finally went in i don't think we really took anything i think we just decided just to leave it all behind. It was soiled and you couldn't even take a bath. There were clothes in the bathtub and you couldn't even like really see the kitchen sink or the countertops. It was just filth and dirt and dirty dishes and I don't know if you remember any of it. Vaguely. You know your dad was trying to like pick up whose clothes and try to decide if it was yours or Sheldon's or you know your mom's stuff and then I think maybe your mom had some friends that might have been staying there too and so we had just decided to kind of just leave everything and let's just let's just get them out of here we got you guys out of there and took them shopping and but I remember when we finally moved into the townhouse in Mountain Shadows and we got you enrolled for school Obviously, your father had said, yes, I'm no longer going to travel. That was one of the agreements for me to move there, was he could no longer be on the road. He had to stay home, and he had to be home full time, because I didn't really know how to be a mom. I was young, and I didn't know these kids, and they didn't know me, and it was all brand new for all of us. So when we got the kids, the next day he left, and he went back on the road, and he had to go back to work. 
So I brought you to school and I remember the principal bringing me in the office and he made me cry because he kept telling me I was too young and I didn't know what I was doing and that these kids have never even had any of their kindergarten shots. And I was like, I, I literally just got them. <laughs> Please stop yelling at me. <laughs> I just remember sitting in there crying, crying, and he was just like, you are in way over your head. And I was like, I know, stop telling me this. <laughs> so, so that's crazy. So you were dealing with that on your own without Chris with you. Yeah. Yeah. And then like at night, I mean, I would call him and he knew what was going on. It's not like yeah, we didn't speak. Like I yeah. told him everything. So like he knew what was going on and he was just not a hands-on type of parent. And I really wasn't from what I had heard about the kids from him, I had was led to believe that you guys had a closer relationship. I mean, because he talked about them, you know, it's not like he didn't, he didn't say, well, I don't even know my kids. He didn't, you know, it was positive things and, you know, stuff he's done together and he had a few pictures and so I just believed it. I mean, we got along fine, everything was good and they were doing great and they were going to school and they were doing everything they were supposed to do and they were adjusting really well. You know, we got along great and he ended up getting a job closer so he started to be home more, oh, nice. okay. which was good. I don't know, there's just, you know, something in your gut that just says something's just not right. Something's just not right. And it started to bother me that the kids would, I don't know, be outside running around playing or whatever and I would be upstairs and they would come in the house and they would want a snack and they would walk right past their dad and come find me to ask if they can have a snack. And I'm like, you just walk right past your dad, go ask your dad. And they're like, nope, forget it, we'll go without. That's, that's not normal. No, not That's not all. okay. Yeah. So I know I did really start hounding him on building a relationship with them because they didn't know him and he didn't know them. And I was close with them and I had a relationship with the two of them, but he just didn't. I didn't like that. I just didn't think that was okay. We're living in this small little house, you know, this townhouse together. You stand on top of each other, it's so small, and you don't even know each other. It was our fourth wedding anniversary, and I got a phone call from a collection agency. And it was for some credit card that I didn't know anything about. And that was, at that point in my head, I thought this is not gonna happen. I'm not, I can't stay in this because I didn't charge that. So I got a job and I was working evenings. So the kids would be taken care of. I would do a lunch shift. I would come home. I would get the kids. We would eat, have dinner. They would do homework. They would play. And then I would go back and do the dinner rush. It was at a pizza place. Do you remember that pizza place? Sandstone. Yeah. Yeah. And they used to do like that bluegrass music and they had like music nights. Anyway, so I got a job there. That was fine. So I would take money and I would hide it. So I could kind of make a little nest egg for myself. So when it was time, I had enough money and we can go. Like we would be okay. And every time I turned around, that money was gone. It would just disappear and just, he didn't know what happened to it. When we left Danielle's, we headed to Chris's house. So we are three minutes from the house. We've just pulled off the exit. All right, so we're turning. We've got, like, we're one minute away. 
Um, I don't know if there's really very much of a drive past this place. That looks like a dead end. I feel like we're just going to be so disappointed when the house is just empty. <laughs> we're gonna we really like, are. Is this it? Uh-oh, we're turning. Okay, here we go. Oh, oh. It's a nice neighborhood. Still got a ways to go. Oh my god, look at this. There's people right there. Ashes to Ash is created by Ash Patino, associate producer Kay Giordano, special guest Bree, interviewee Danielle, technical swimmer Victoria Gockler, crew member Cole Ellers, music scorer David Patino. Please subscribe at ashestoashtv.com www.ashestoashtv.com. If you know of any illegal activity involving this case, please reach out to your local law enforcement. If you would like to give a tip for information, please email at ashland57 at gmail.com. A-S-H-L-A-N-D-5-7 at gmail.com. We can keep you anonymous.